Christmas and happy holidays to each of you who are joining us this morning. We're grateful that you've joined us here in the sanctuary at Bright Temple as we are streaming live to each and every one of you. I pray that you are blessed of God and I pray that you are feeling in encouraged and strengthened even during a time that is as troubling as this. If you can I pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for these few moments that we have with your people. Lord, I ask that you encourage your people through your word. Allow your words to minister to their hearts. 
Lord, allow our destinies and our own plans and our own designs to see your word for you to course correct us and to lead us in the way that you have us to go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We're going to the word of the Lord in 2 Corinthians 9 and 15. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 9 and 15. If you'll follow me in the word there. Again, we're coming 2 Corinthians 9 and 15 as we share from the thought this morning, the perfect gift. And the word says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, simply, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. When we think of the, the, this particular holiday, the Christmas holiday this season, we think of it as the season of giving. That's often what we say, that it is the season of giving. When we think of giving, we can't help but think of it in the context of the purpose of this very celebration. We celebrate the birth of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself was the gift that God gave the world, for God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus was his gift to each and every one of us. So when we see here in 2 Corinthians, when it says, thanks be unto God, it's making mention of God as our Father. We're thanking him for the gift of Jesus Christ that he gave unto us. It says unspeakable, but that's just one adjective that it uses here. When it's saying unspeakable, it means like, how, how can we thank God enough for that which he gave us through his son, Jesus Christ? What are the words that we can use that are sufficient to the gift, to the weight of the gift that God gave us? And as it relates to that powerful gift that God gave us, we want to talk about that gift in several aspects. And we want to talk about what that gift means to each and every one of us. One other thing I want to let you know is that we're not too big for God to give. Nothing too big for God to give. Once when Caesar Augustus had bestowed a princely gift upon one whom he wished to especially honor, the recipient was so overcome with the gift's magnitude that he exclaimed, this is too great a gift for me to receive, but it is not too great a gift for me to give Caesar replied, pleased with what he had. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. It's not that we are in such a capacity or even in such a stance where we are owed the gift, but it's God in his nature to give. That means God gives us out of the plentifulness of what he has not based on what we think we're capable of receiving. Understanding God, his ways are above our ways, his thoughts are above our thoughts. God sees greater in us than we can see in ourselves, even in our capacity to receive that which he desires to give. So when God is, a, is, is blessing us, when God extends his grace and his mercy in our direction, He's doing it out of the abundance of who he is, not based on who we are. He's blessing us under the abundance of who he is, not based on who we are. So he gives us graciously because he's God. He gives us bountifully because he's God. 
He gives us exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, not because of who we are, not because of our capacity to receive, but because he's God. And that is who he is. We know God is a great giver. God has shown us what love is by the way that he gives. I told you John 3.16 said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. James 1 and 17 says in every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father. Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4 and 10, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, give me a drink, thou wouldest ask of him and he would have given thee living water. Paul in Ephesians 2 and 8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Giving is elemental to who God is. Giving is not something God does. Giving is who God is. That's elemental to his nature. How do I know it's elemental to his nature? Why? Because the word also tells us that God is love. And part and parcel of loving is giving. You cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So just as love is essential to the very nature of who God is, so is giving. It's part of who he is. He can't help but give because he is God. It's who he is. That's what he is about. That's part of his nature. So as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ and those who say that we possess God on the inside, just as elemental as love is should be in our heart. So also should be giving. Giving shouldn't be a separate act. It's just part of the nature of who we are because we are of God. It's not a separate act. It's not something that you even have to think about. It's part of the nature of being a Christian. It's part of being a part of the nature of being a follower of God. You give because it's part of who you are. It in itself is not a separate act. When someone says, I choose to give, yes, you, you, you're, you're saying you're making a choice, but choosing to follow God is the same thing as choosing to give. There, 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 it, it is one transaction. It is not a separate transaction. It's a singular transaction. As a follower of God, because I choose to follow God, then also I choose to give because giving is elemental to the nature of God. It's part of who he is. And as a Christian, then it should be part of who I am. Giving is part of the deal. It's just like being parents. For those of you who are parents, you don't itemize. And sometimes it's funny. You see it on television and it's it's hilarious. You as a parent, you don't itemize everything that you give to your child. Because part of the deal, part of the nature, part of the transaction of being a parent is that you give unto your children. I was watching a show that I, I like. It's, it's, it's not on the air anymore, but I watched the reruns. It's called Everybody Hates Chris. On that show, the father, Julius, he's probably one of the cheapest people that you'll ever know. They had a Halloween episode where they were throwing away his cheap candy. And as they threw it away, it's like a register was appearing in his mind saying that that was five cents of candy, 20, 15, a dollar 20. It was just registering in his mind. That's how cheap he was. 
Then one Christmas, his children had the nerve to ask him for special gifts. They said, Dad, what are you giving us for Christmas? He said, what is my gift? And then he began to itemize as a father, as a parent, all the gifts they already have. He said, you know what? It's cold outside, but it's warm in here. He said, that's a gift, heat. He said, you know, if, if I turn the lights off, it'll be dark, but you can see because the lights are on. Light, that's a gift. He said, you got clothes on your body, right? I pay for those clothes. Those clothes are a gift. He said, you're eating at the table right now, right? That food, I pay for it. That food is a gift. He's itemizing all of the things that he does as a parent, and then he begins to designate it as a gift. We laugh at that because as parents, we know that's preposterous. Part of the deal, part of the transaction of being a parent is that you give unto your children. You don't get extra credit for taking care of your child. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to feed them. You're supposed to make sure they have clothes. You're supposed to make sure they have shelter. You're supposed to make sure the lights are on, that the heat is working in the wintertime. That's part of what you're supposed to do. That's part of the transaction. It is not a separate act. Don't ask for credit for something that is part of the initial transaction. When you decided to become a parent, then part of the deal is taking care of your children. It's not something you have to think about. It's natural. It's in the nature of the parent to take care of the child and then not itemize everything that you give. And what I'm telling you similarly as a Christian, giving is not a separate transaction. It's elemental to the nature of God. It should be elemental to your own nature. And you should give freely. And when you give. Don't do as the Pharisees do. You don't have to try and suck up all the credit for everything that you give. You don't have to post everything that you give on Facebook. You don't always have the Bible puts it this way. You don't always have to let your, your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's not it's like you're, you're advertising for credit for something that you're supposed to do. When we give as Christians and then we advertise it and then we're trying to get a little praise for that which we're doing. To me, that's no different than as a parent. You putting online, oh, I'm feeding my kids today. Like you want some likes for that. I'm at Walmart buying school clothes for my kids. I'm going live. So you'll like that. I'm giving to my children. Why would you go lie for that? Why do you want special credit for that? That's what you're supposed to do. You're a parent. You give. And similarly as Christians, you don't have to go live. You don't have to post everything that you give to somebody else. When you're a blessing to someone else, giving is elemental to who you are. It's what you're supposed to do. Somebody put that. Somebody comment that giving is what you're supposed to do. Giving is what you're supposed to do. It's not a separate act. It's not even anything to think about. It's elemental to the nature of God. So it'd be elemental to your own nature that you give. Because to be like God, you have to love. And if you love, then you give. I always say this. Faith without works is dead. Get love without giving is insignificant. Because if you really love, then you'll give. Because it's part, simply, of who you are. I want to talk to you today about the perfect gift. It's said in our text, thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. Of course God gave. Why? Because that's who he is. 
God gave his son. It, it shouldn't be a surprise that God gives us new mercies every day. It shouldn't be a surprise that God blesses us abundantly above that. When we can ask a thing, it's not a surprise because that's just the nature of who God is. He gives. And when we're truly seeking to be like God, we should find ourselves giving. Let me tell you something about this gift that God gave us. He gave us a personal gift. A personal gift. See, we have been created for God's benefit, but God gave his son for our benefit. We may have been created for God's benefit, but God gave his son for our benefit. See, we were created in the image of God, a reflection of God on earth. We may have been created because it was God's desire. It was his design to have someone like him on earth. But yet he had to sacrifice his son, not for his benefit, but for our benefit. He didn't need salvation. We did. So he gave his son and sacrificed him for us. That's what John 316 is about. And now he gave two reasons why he gave his gift. He said, I got for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever believeth in him, one would not perish. And that we too might obtain, attain everlasting life. See, a personal gift is created for the specific use of the person for which it was purchased. A personal gift is a gift that was specifically purchased and for the person for whom it was purchased. It's for them. It's a special gift for them. Have you ever been shopping with somebody and then they put on some clothes? I know probably talking to my women here more than my men. Women go shopping and then she comes out of the dressing room and her girlfriend says, oh, girl, that's you. What's she saying? That's personal. That fits you. That suits you. That's look, that looks like your personality. That looks like something you would wear. It's personal for you. So that means a, a personal gift. Get this. And I'm going to help somebody right now. I'm going to talk to my regifters out there. Let me speak to you for a minute. A personal gift could not be kept by the giver because it's not useful if it's personal for whom it's purchased. A personal gift it, uh, cannot be kept by the purchaser. If I buy a gift for you, I can't keep it and be useful to me because I bought it specifically for you. It's personal to you. That means it's so personal that I can't even use it. Think of God's gift to, to humanity. God, God gave his son. God gave and sacrificed his son for us. He gave us something he can't use. Think about that. It's personal. It's specific to us. God didn't give something that he could re-gift to somebody else or that he could keep for his own. Why would he keep the sacrificing of his son for himself? That does not benefit him. A personal gift cannot be kept by the person who purchased it because it's so personal. It's in specifically intended for someone else. God gave us the gift of his son. He gave us something that he could not use, that he could not benefit from himself. Now, that's a personal gift. Some of you buy gifts and you say, well, I might just keep this. Then it's not personal enough. It's not personal enough for whom you purchased it. Personal gift is so crafted 
that for the person that you're getting it would not even fit you right. If I buy a suit for my friend, then that, that suit ought to fit them. It doesn't fit me, so I can't keep it. Why? Because that means it's a personal gift. It was for them. Now, if I buy a suit that might fit me, that fits me and may fit them, then that's for me. That's not a personal gift. I bought that for myself. But when I purchase it and buy it specifically for their size, for their use, it's so personal that if they if I can't give it to them, I can't even keep it. I have to take it back because the gift is personal. Just helping somebody, even in your giving, make sure that the gift is personal. When I give to my wife, I'm not going to buy my wife for Christmas a set of men's golf clubs. It's not a personal gift. That's one of those gifts, and some of y'all do this. I'm praying for you. You give a gift, you're like, oh, you don't like it. Okay, well, I guess I'll keep it. I'll keep it for myself. That's not a personal gift. You didn't even have the right, they say the spirit of giving. You didn't even have the the spirit of giving. You didn't even have the spirit where you even wanted to transfer that gift to somebody else. You had every intention of keeping it. That is not a personal gift. My wife could have flipped the script on me. What if she buys me a $100 gift certificate to Victoria's Secret? What am I going to do with that? And then she'd be like, oh, you don't like it? Okay, I'll keep it. Well, of course she's going to keep it. That was not a personal gift. It was intended for her use. In our giving, we ought to give personal gifts and understand that that's exactly how God gives to us. He gives us a personal gift. I told you God gave us a personal gift. But secondly, I want to tell you that God gives you a purchased gift. I'm still talking to the regifters. He gives you a purchased gift. What do I mean a purchase gift? He gives you a gift that costs him something. Talking about a purchase gift, it it, it costs him something. And when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to giving, when it comes to how God gave to us and how he intends for us to return back to him, God wants to get us to give a purchased gift. It's going to cost you something. Somebody put that in the comments. It's going to cost you something. It will cost you something. It's not free. It'll cost you something. You're not giving somebody a gift that you found on the side of the street, but it costs you something. You're not giving a gift that you didn't have to toil from. These days, with all the restrictions, it's hard to even get out and purchase a gift. Part of the act of purchasing the gift ought to be included in the price and the value of the gift. Because going out, wearing your mask and finding a retailer that's open and fighting the crowds and trying to stay six, six feet away and socially distanced from everybody and, and fighting the lines at the register and just, you know, everybody, everybody's so excited during this season and anxious about giving. Part of that ought to be included in the price of the gift and the value of the gift because you had to go out and purchase something. It cost you something. David said when he was offered the threshing floor, he said, he said, I will not take something that I offered to God without paying the price. He's saying, if I'm going to offer and sacrifice something to God, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to purchase because it's not a sacrifice. 
if it doesn't cost me anything. And whatever you really desire from God, whatever you really desire in life, baby, be skeptical if it doesn't cost you something. Be very skeptical if it costs you something, doesn't cost you something. Right now, some of the hottest gifts out there right now are these consoles that have come out. The PlayStation 5 console and the Xbox Series X console and all of these new games that have come out. It's almost like you can't, you can't even find them. And then, and then what has happened is people are hoarding the games. They're purchasing as many as they can, and then they're reselling them. And when they resell it, they resell it at a higher price because they're trying to make a profit. Now, if any of you are out there, let me help you. If somebody is out there selling it for less than what they purchased it for, I'll go ahead and tell you that's a scam. They're trying to take your money. Don't even, don't even participate in that. If they're advertising a console, if they're advertising a gift for less than what it cost them, it's a scam. They're just trying to take your money. Be wary of situations and taking part of things that don't cost you something. Because the true value in sacrificing anything to God is that it costs me something. The anointing costs you something. Service to God costs you something. Your salvation costs Jesus Christ his life. It cost him to suffer, bleed and die on Calvary for you. Anything that's worth obtaining, anything that's worth having with God and in life will cost you something. Blessings will cost you something. Your testimony will cost you something. I often tell the story of Bishop Hines that he was up preaching and then someone, some man came up to him and he said, I want the same anointing that you have. He said, okay. Bishop replied to him, he said, I, I pray that one day you're out on the airfield and then lightning strikes you and you are dead for several minutes. The man said, hold on, hold on now, hold on. Why are you praying that over my life? He's saying, because I want you to know that where, how I got to where I am, it cost me something. There's a testimony of what I pay. There's a testimony of my experiences. There's a testimony in my storm that explained how I got to where I am. If you want what I have, I want to let you know that it costs you something. You can't get it for free. God gave us a special gift. He gave us a personal gift. He gave us a purchased gift. The gift that God gave us. It cost him something. Next thing I want you to understand is he gave us a personal gift. He gave us a purchased gift. Thirdly, he gave us a precious gift. It was personal. It was purchased. And it's precious. How is it precious? So God gave us his son. He gave us his only begotten son. God gave us the only thing that, that exists that he only had one of. And I want you to get that. God gave us the only thing in the universe that exists that he only had one of. Of all of the things that he had a multitude of, he could have given us that, but he didn't give us that. He gave us the only thing in the universe that there was only one of, and he gave us his only begotten son. He gave us a precious gift. He gave us a gift that was meaningful to him. He gave us the gift that was most precious to him. 
Can any parent imagine sacrificing not just a child, but your only child to save someone else's life? Just want you to imagine that for a moment. Sacrificing your child, and some of you have several children, but just imagine you only had one child. And you had to sacrifice that one child to save somebody else's life. And while you're imagining, I just want you to remember, think of Abraham as he goes up to the mountain with his son Isaac, son of his promise. The son God promised him would make him the father of many nations. And as he's going up the mountain to sacrifice his son, just think of how he must have felt. I want you to do that to imagine that for yourself. As God gave us the gift of his son, his only son. His only begotten son. The only thing that he had one of. It was a precious gift. It was his best gift. God sent his son to us and Isaiah 53 and two records it this way. It says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. God sent his only begotten son, his precious son, his gift to the world to endure the hardship that Isaiah describes. One songwriter said they hung him high and they stretched him wide. He hung his head and then he died. He said, and that's why we know what love is. That's love. So I want to tell you, I'm getting ready to close here. We're talking about the perfect gift. I told you that God gave us a personal gift. That God gave us a purchase gift. God gave us a precious gift. And finally, I want to tell you that God gave us a powerful gift. Isaiah 9 and 6 says he he was for unto us a child is born for unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Matthew says, and he, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. The gift is so powerful. The gift of, Je- of Jesus is so powerful. The gift of God's only son is so powerful to us is that there is power simply in his name. Let me say that again. The the gift of his son was so powerful to us. The gift of God gave it to the world was so powerful that he couldn't trust Joseph and Mary to name him. He had to send an angel to instruct how he should be named. 
Because the gift is so powerful that not only is the son himself powerful, not only is the incarnation in his flesh so powerful, not only is the spirit that resides in him powerful, but there is simply power in simply saying the name of Jesus. Somebody to, to type that. There's power in the name of Jesus. Hashtag that. There's power in the name of Jesus. Such a powerful gift that even when you speak his name, there is power in his name. We've been talking about just talking about his name. Not talking about him healing the sick, raising the dead. We're just talking about the name of Jesus. Somebody just hashtag that in all caps, Jesus. Notice how the angel talks to Joseph. He, he said his name shall be Jesus. She didn't, she didn't say that. She didn't say his name shall be Jesus. But the angel says to Joseph, this angel says, thou shalt call his name Jesus. Call his name Jesus. Reminds me, when we get on the ridge sometimes, at Union Ridge in Wartrace, a lot of times we'd go to the church and some mother in the back would simply start a song and she'd say, call his name. And the audience would reply, Jesus, call his name, Jesus, call his name, Jesus, because there's power in the name of Jesus. Somebody say that there's power in the name of Jesus. So when he's in the room, don't call him boy. Don't call him son. Don't call him junior. Just call him Jesus because there is power in the name of Jesus. When you see him in the street, don't say don't walk too fast, boy, but call him by his name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Somebody out there type Jesus. Somebody might ask, why do you call his name Jesus? Because the correctness of this world has brought on euphemisms. A euphemism is a substitute for the real word. So instead of fat, they might call you big bone. Instead of died, they might say they passed away. Instead of chemical weapons, they might say WMDs or, or weapons of mass destruction. In a way, it takes the power out of what they're saying. Jesus is saying, I expect them to strip me out of everything. I expect them to say happy holidays or season's greetings. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. He said, if my people who know my name should know that there is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved in the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus is saying, say my name when you're in trouble. Say my name when you need healing. Say my name when you need help. Say my name when you feel overwhelmed. 
gave us the perfect gift. This gift, it was a personal gift. This gift was a purchase gift. It cost him something. This gift was a precious gift. He gave us the only thing that he had one of. And finally, God gave us a powerful gift. For there is no name under heaven that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, during this season, when our minds and our hearts can be encumbered with so many things, Lord, forgive us, Lord, because we're like Martha. Martha was saying to Jesus while Mary was sitting at his feet listening to his word, Martha said, Lord, why don't you rebuke her and tell her to come help me? But Jesus said, Martha, you are troubled with many things, but Mary has chosen the important part. During this season, Lord, during your, when we celebrate your birthday, we're like Martha, we're encumbered with so many other things. We're so busy decorating our homes. We're so busy purchasing gifts, even for people we don't like. We're busy with the hot chocolate and the cocoa. We're busy with the marshmallows and the baking. We're busy with the cookies and the turkeys, Lord. We're we're busy and encumbered with so many things. We're purchasing cards and we're spending more money than we have. And we're extending lines of credit. We're maxing out credit cards, Lord. And out of all the many things that we're doing, we're not seeking your face. We're not lifting you up. We're not helping to draw people to you. And Lord, right now, we just want to say we're sorry. Lord, help us to truly remember the purpose of this time of year. Is to be reminded of the precious gift that we have in Jesus Christ. The perfect gift. The personal gift. And yes, the powerful gift of Jesus. Let us not be deterred from speaking your name, Lord, because there's power in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, if there's someone, even during this season, who recognizes that their life is not right with you. If you're out there, just just lift your hands and pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have come short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I need you to wash my heart. Wash my mind. Wash me all over, Lord. Create within me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth 
that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried, but rose again with all power in his hand. And today, I claim you, Jesus, as the Lord and Savior of my life. Come on now, if you said that prayer by faith, if you said that with true commitment in your heart, then you are saved. You are saved. I challenge you to join a group of believers, even if it's online, even if it's virtual. You can join and connect with us virtually here at Bright Temple. Text Bright Temple, one word, all together, to 66866. Again, type Bright Temple, all together, no spaces. Text that word to 66866, and you can connect with us virtually, or however you connect and whoever you connect with. I pray that you're blessed and encouraged, that you might grow the more in God. To each of you out there, my father's children who are listening, I want to wish each of you a very Merry Christmas. I pray God's blessings upon you. And don't ever forget that there is power in the name of Jesus. Be blessed.